right, all right, all right. Uh, welcome back into the All B Sports Podcast, where it's all BS all the time. I'm here with James and Brian, myself, Nick. And jumping into the news and notes right away here, um, trade deadline. Came and went without any real things to really, really talk about here. Um, kind of a dud. Um, we'll get, we'll kind of get into each team on the trade deadline as we go. Uh, but I want to give you guys a, a, sh- a shot to make any comments or anything uh, before we move on. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, for me, looking at the Steelers, I think it was a solid move picking up Avery Williamson before the deadline uh, went through. Uh, Spillane's been playing really good, uh, but getting some depth at that middle linebacker position uh, with somebody who's a really solid starter in this league, really, uh, was a good move for them. And, uh, yeah, I think that was the, to me, what looked like maybe just the team that made kind of the, the smartest move around the deadline. Yeah, because they're still out. Um, Devin Bush, right? Is he done for the season? Done He's for out the season. for the season. Torn okay. ACL. So um, they need that depth, that depth at that linebacker position, and that good move by them. And uh, Nick, you were just saying before we got on here, Avery Williamson's going from a team that hasn't won a game to a team that hasn't lost a game. So he's going to have a bit of a, a culture <laughs> shock there. He, he's feeling good. Yeah, he's yeah. feeling good. <laughs> he's going to go uh, out there and like, holy crap, we have a lead. <laughs> How does this what work? is this wait people know what they're doing yeah uh all right <laughs> um uh other big news uh george kittle done for the season um gosh the 49ers jimmy g going uh, undergoing uh surgery now for a high ankle sprain that's on a, a, it wasn't even the original high ankle sprain that he's do. it's it's a new injury that he's going and undergoing surgery for i don't know i don't i thought the eagles last year were the most injury riddled team of all time it's it now belongs to it, it now belongs to um the this year's 49ers team there the, the, this team has just been plagued like oh my gosh yeah, it's absolutely unreal, and uh, it looks like with Kittle, so I had said season ending, but it looks like it's like eight weeks or something, so basically season ending, they got to shut him down for, this, for the year. Um, if, it, if they can somehow make the playoffs, then he can come back and make a, help him make a run at it, but... Yeah, I'm sure that like, happens. Even if even if he comes back for the playoffs, like how he's not going to be a football shape or a game shape, you know. So I mean, don't get me wrong, George Kittle is one of the best tight ends in the game right now if not the best tight tight end in the game right now but like you take that kind of time off and then you go into playoff football i don't know i don't know man yeah it's it's a really interesting situation they find themselves in um you know the 49ers have been kind of hit or miss when they're playing with their backup so who knows uh it, it, it looks like a team that can be promising at moments uh and then looks like just like they're absolutely terrible in other moments, uh, you know, and so with Jimmy being out and then Kittle's kind of that bit that kind of carries that offense when he's not around. So yeah, it, they're in a bad place. And, you know, if I'm a 49ers fan, I'm just maybe shutting it down for the season. And, you know, if you make the playoffs, then you're playing with house money at that point. How, yeah, for sure. House money. Yep. Uh, yeah. I think, um, as far as like the Jimmy G injury goes, they are going to be out on him after this season because they can cut him for almost no dead money, and he's just been too injury plagued to, you know, to to rely on. So they're going to start looking elsewhere for him. I see a Bill Belichick Jimmy G reunion. Absolutely. I mean, I I, I know I, I'm not sure if I mentioned it on the podcast, but like he would be at probably at Bill's top of the list. As well as uh, a Dak Prescott, if uh, Dallas decides they don't want to try and resign him with the limited cap space they have. Wow, <laughs> I did not consider consider either of those scenarios. Not the Dak to the New England for sure, but the Jimmy G back to New England. That's an interesting prospect there. I mean, Josh McDaniel. Ooh, man, that's kind of. I don't like that. I don't want to think about that. Moving on. <laughs> 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 okay let's let's get it let's get it into the games here this weekend so uh 
first up on the list here is the um, uh, the Patriots at the Bills. Um, man, we we knew this game was going to be close, but if Cam played a decent game in this game, the Patriots walk out with a win in this game. I feel like. Well, how many so times have we said that this season? I was going to say, I, I just want to take just a moment and clarify some stuff here because I, you know, I know that I said Cam Newton could be great within this offense and within this team. And the fact is, is that he could, but everything he's doing is just completely self-inflicted. Um, you know, people are looking at the Belichick and the Brady situation and, you know, and they're saying, oh, Brady's making out like a bandit. Brady was carrying Belichick. At the end of the day, when you bring in a guy like Cam Newton and then he just continually makes mistakes, I mean, I know he's rushed for t- some touchdowns, but the guy's only thrown for two touchdowns on the season. Um, you know, and then even with everything, they were, in the, they were in position to beat the number one team in their division. And Cam Newton, you know, a t- eight, ten-year vet in the league, can't focus on ball control, can't keep it, you know, from flailing around out there. Uh, unprotected well, yeah, so yeah carrying it in the wrong hand going to the sideline like yeah it, I, I don't know it, it just seems like rookie mistakes you know yeah it, that's exactly what it looks like cam's making rookie mistakes uh this late in his career and you know it's a shame because i think that new england could be a legitimate contender and that's how i had them pegged coming into the season but until can you know i think i personally think they just need to shut down the cam experiment they're you know they're not invested in them get Stid him out there, get him reps, see, hey, is this guy going to do anything? Is there anything that we can see here? Does he have an arm that we like on, on tape? Um, or do we need to find a new quarterback? Because you're not going to know that if they just keep rolling with Cam Newton the rest of the season. Exactly. I, I mean, I'm sure they would love to be able to stick with a quarterback on the cheap in Jarrett Stidham for like another two years if they can going into next year, but they won't know until they give him a shot. But with the cap space that they have, they are prepared to probably go out and get Jimmy G if San Francisco separates. But yeah, so as far as Cam goes, yeah, I think uh, experiment's over. It's time to move on. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't hit on Bill Belichick's comments to the media this week, and um, I definitely think that that's something that a lot of people aren't really paying attention to. This is a team that completely sold out. Uh, th- those last years with Brady there and did everything they could. They focused on offense in the draft. They, you know, paid the guys to stay, different things like that. Um, and they're now just in a position where they're kind of in cap purgatory. They don't know where they're, they're where they're going to be going forward. And obviously, you know, with the specific opt-outs that they had this year, this, te- this season was likely going to be a dud anyhow. Um you know, if anything, they're overperforming on defense with the guys that they're missing there. So um, I do like that Bill Belichick kind of came out and finally just said, hey, you know, we sold out. We're in a bad position right now because of what we did. But we went to three Super Bowls and AFC championship. You know, what do you guys want? Like, you know, so respect to him on that for coming out and just putting it out there for people because that's not typically a Bill Belichick type of thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, uh, what do we say about the Bills? I mean, it was a it was a close game here. Um, you know, uh, no one really looked impressive in this game. It was it's a division game. It they're all the they're ugly game. Regardless, regardless of what division it is, when division games happen, it's always it's always tougher than what we think it. You know, it's always it's always a a better game. Usually, I won't say always. I guess I shouldn't say always, but usually a better game than we, we would think it would be. So, um, yeah, I mean. Uh, that being said, Buff- uh, Buffalo has not looked good the last three weeks. And, you know, to, mm-hmm. to James's point, I think he made last week, is like, are the Bills a pretender team? And it seems to be yeah. getting more clear by the day. Yeah, Allen well, started off looking like, you know, uh, you know, a record-setting MVP type of player in the last three weeks. Um you know, maybe I'll have to get to the actual statistics on what he's looked like the last three weeks. But um, I know 11 for 18 in this game, um, 154 yards with the pick. Uh, decent game against the Jets, but, you know, then Kansas City, 14 for 27, 122 yards. 
two touchdowns in the pick against Tennessee, 26 of 41, two touchdowns, two picks. Um, so last really like the, the four weeks outside of that Jets game, uh, Allen is looking like the weakness of the bills that we kind of all had him pegged as with still, still a high ceiling. Um, but definitely not where we thought he was. Yeah. The, the MVP conversation for him is out the window unless they just start ripping him off again. Like they started the season, but yep. uh, I, I, I don't see that happening to be honest. I'll uh, give you a nod here. Uh, I'm interested to see a Dolphins-Bills matchup here because... Is that this upcoming week? No, no, no. That's the last week of the season. The oh. next the next one is the last week of the season, that, bro. That could so. be, well, that could be a division decider. Yeah. It could be the division decider. <laughs> Which is... Hang on. Let's, I mean, I don't want to go crazy. We're spending here. too much time. We're on talking this, about but... <laughs> yeah. We're, we're spending too much time on this, but the division decider between the Bills and the Dolphins for the AFC East was yeah. That was last time that happened was the calendar hadn't even turned two thousand yet. So uh... <laughs> it's been a minute. Okay. Uh, all right. So moving on to the Tennessee Titans taking on the uh, Cincinnati Bengals in a massive upset win for the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, it's like everything yeah, I, I said this week, like the NFL, like the, the football God just said, Hey man, check this out. You know, I've been doing nothing but just absolutely bragging on Tannehill and how fantastically awesome he's been. And then he comes out and just kind of lays an egg, just looks average in this game. Uh, you know, Joe Burrow really outplayed him. Uh, the Bengals in general obviously outplayed them, and what a surprising game. I mean, this shows the potential that I think the Bengals have, but, man, I, this entirely uncharacteristic loss. I'm just blown away by it, honestly. I can't even think I, I'm lost. <laughs> I think they're kind of – maybe Tennessee was a bit shell-shocked from still from their game with the Steelers. I mean, they went down big early, tried to battle back, and lo- you know, and lost it in those final – seconds kind of thing so I don't know you know like those emotional wins as well as like those emotional defeats can kind of ripple into the games after yeah yeah I mean this but the 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 Tennessee Titans now are on uh, two is it two games in a row they lost because they lost to the Steelers yep and now Cincinnati so uh yeah, I mean they got to be on the lookout here. I mean they were they were now they play the Bears, Colts, Ravens, Colts. Yeah, yeah, they got a tough schedule ahead of them. They could they could uh, easily Colts end could five and easily, five. Right yeah, now, Colts could yeah. easily leap leap into that number one spot and run away with it uh, over yeah. the next four weeks. I would say I'm not too worried about the Bears. I mean, we talked about that a lot on last podcast. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole again, but Nick Foles, yeah, we'll get to there. Anyways, moving on. (laughs) Um, Okay, so we have – I don't know if you guys saw the weather in this game, the Raiders at the Browns. Uh, I heard it was terrible. It was impossible to to do anything. Um, The wind was so crazy. I mean, there the field. If you tried to kick a ball, and the, the, there was one uh, field goal that was, I don't know, like a forty-three yard field goal from the Browns, and you just watched this thing. He he booted it right as best he could, and it just took a hard left. It was like, oh, this is gonna be good. It's gonna be good, and then like four yards before the <laughs> the uprights, it just went whoosh, way, way, way left. So I mean. Crazy, what a just a weird game to play in, but uh, nonetheless, uh, Raiders come out on top 16 to 6. Um, yeah, it was pretty clear here. Um, you know, you don't want to jump too hard on the Browns on this one, though. You know, we got to give them their lumps when they lose. Uh, but the one thing is the Raiders, I mean, 45 carries for 209 yards. Um, you know, when you're able to do that, uh, to a team. It's the chances of you winning the game when you control time of possession, 37 minutes to 22. Uh, it's just completely in your favor. And like you said, with that weather, for a guy like Baker Mayfield, who really needs everything to go right in his position, 
with that kind of weather, spending all that time on the sideline, he just never had a chance to get into a rhythm. Um, and even Derek Carr, who's normally an extremely accurate quarterback, leading the league in t- uh, percentage typically, you know, only 15 to 24 for 111 yards. So you just see the the difference there. And um, I think it would maybe been a different game had they had Nick Chubb there, uh, wait for him to come back around week 10. But yeah, tough loss for the Browns, uh, but another just scrappy win for this Raiders team who just keeps keeps performing and keeps showing up. You're absolutely yeah. right about Nick Chubb. If Nick Chubb's in that game and they can get that healthy rotation of uh, Chubb and Kareem Hunt in there, I, th- I think it's a different game. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I definitely agree. I mean, I, I, more than anything, I think the weather had something to do with this. I, I do think our our uh, original analysis on on the Browns after OBJ going down, uh, I think Baker overall will be better on the field, um, especially when Chubb comes back. Um, I, so I, I'm not counting the Browns team out of anything for sure. Uh, but and and this Raiders team is going to cause a lot of headaches just just going forward. So, yeah. All right, Colts and Lions. Hey, which, who here picked the Lions? <laughs> Nobody. Didn't somebody? No. No, I got the Colts. Oh, I thought I thought somebody picked because of Stafford. Okay, well that makes me feel better. I thought somebody picked the Lions in this game, and I was just like, boy, I that think was I a- think. I think I was on the fence about it, but ultimately the the Colts defense was was where I was at. And that's what I was just going to say, man. Five sacks on Matthew Stafford. Uh, Lions ran the ball 13 times for 29 yards in this game. Um, Some garbage yards there for Stafford in this one, uh, you know, which kind of been the story of his career. But at the same time, uh, you know, there was nothing he could do from start to finish. I mean, this was just an absolute domination by the Colts, they they got up early and just ran. And uh, Phillip Rivers, kind of like we said, this team goes where he goes, and he had another efficient game. Um, even with a lackluster run game, uh, you know, 3.1 yards of carry, uh, two yards of carry by Jonathan Taylor, who still not living up to expectations for this Colts team. Uh, yeah, exciting game, though. Uh, pretty statement win for the Indianapolis Colts here. Yeah. Well, like we said, um, with two back-to-back, not back-to-back games, but two games within, what, three weeks with the Titans? Yep. Could very well decide that division. Well, and the Titans and the Colts play the Ravens in that period. So the Colts have the Ravens Next this week, week, yeah. Yep. And then the Titans will face them the week after. Um, wow. So that'll be really interesting to see. That's going to be a really fun storyline with Lamar Jackson because this Indianapolis Colts defense is – put together to stop Lamar Jackson, uh, Lamar Jackson type of offense as well. Um, and then obviously we know what the Titans, what they can do. So that'll be a lot of fun kind of storylines over the next two weeks. For sure. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I saw the Packers score. They laughed. Yeah. So. Well, no, no, no. I think, and, and I don't even think this game was that close, right? Like no. the, the Minnesota Vikings were – Winning this game, Dalvin Cook, monster. What four touchdowns? Four touchdowns, three, like two hundred some odd scrimmage yards. Two hundred, yeah, two hundred twenty some odd scrimmage touchdowns. yards. Four yeah. total touchdowns. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, Packers, you know, there's something seems to be going on with the Packers, and that they don't like getting punched in the mouth. If you, like if you can kind of like hit them hard, they roll over, but. When it's yeah, going yeah, their way, they team. look like the best team in football. Yeah, I mean, you know, 30 carries for 163 yards. I mean, that's right there, you know, kind of got a lot of teams. Uh, that was the story with the Packers last season as well. They weren't great against the run at all. Solid secondary. Um, if they can get the lead and take away that run, um, great. And then, of course, you look at the Minnesota Vikings. This is the exact type of game that Kirk Cousins shines in. 11 for 14, 160 yards and a touchdown. You know, just pedestrian average, but he doesn't lose the game for you, which is kind of something we talked about with him. Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, this is exactly the, the 
the blueprint for Minnesota going forward. And it's a shame that their season um, is where it's at now. Cause obviously, you know, with their defense being what's happening with that and the trade-offs and, you know, obviously it seems like they're pretty much out of it unless they could run the table. Um, but yeah, wild, wild win there. Another game that I picked wrong. Yep. It's a theme of this yeah. week for me. It was an odd week in football. Yeah, I mean, well, like, well, it, and then, yeah, there's just a, we'll get into them a little bit later, but there's a few, there was a couple games this week where we picked, where we feel like we could just roll over, the really roll over the calendar to next week and not even worry about it, and this being one of them. Yeah. The next game turned out to be, as we suspected, uh, New York Jets at the Kansas City Chiefs. Jets uh, 9, Kansas City Chiefs 35. Patrick Mahomes, five touchdowns, covers the 20 and a half, the giant ass spread. I actually thought that'd be bigger, a bigger win by margin here, but um, Chiefs yeah, roll. I mean, a solid part through that second quarter of the game. I mean, the game was 14 to nine for the Chiefs. Um, it looked like a game like this, you know, that Brian has been looking for where Adam Gase gets it right because they were really, really sticking with him. Um, but then in classic Kansas City fashion, they just put the hammer down there through the second quarter and into the into the second half and ran away with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you guys think the Jets yeah. are tanking? <laughs> you know, no, I'm curious, like, are they trying to win games or are they tanking? Um, Joe Douglas, the uh, general manager, came out and, uh, today and said that um, you know, Adam Gase is part of the solution to figuring out what is going on there. So I'm, I'm scared for Jets fans, happy as a Dolphins fan, that if they keep Adam Gase for another year, phenomenal. Phenomenal. It's wild. Because my only thought was, like, they have to be tanking. Like, after our last podcast and, and crapping all over Adam Gase, I thought, like, the only reason that they would make sense that they would keep him is because they're tanking. Right. And he's helping this team lose. So you just go with it. Right. And there's no point in firing a coach midseason when you're burning it down this offseason. Um, but then it's honestly surprising to think that, you know, with the talent they have around Sam Darnold, like, are they trying to go for the top pick for a quarterback? Because, you know, Trevor Lawrence isn't going to make this team better. I mean, I mean, he maybe makes them like three, four wins better. But, you know, it, I don't know. It's weird. It seems well, like they're trying to win games, though. It seems like it, and it just doesn't the, make sense. Well, maybe Brian, go ahead. Brian, Gase go ahead. might be. You know, they said that Gase is the solution to the future, and it might be because this guy can only can't help oh, but God. win games <laughs> or lose games. <laughs> hey, that might be, <laughs> that might be really true. I just, I, I mean, I part of me hopes that the Jets turn into this version of the, the the new version of the Cleveland Browns where they keep ruining, you know, just shooting themselves in the foot and can't win games forever because I don't like the Jets. But I would also feel terrible for, just like I did for the Browns, for all these kids that go there as first-round picks, first-round quarterbacks, first-round whatever, and just can't get a career going because the the, the organization around them is so terrible. Yeah, um, thankfully New York I, has I, the Yankees because the Jets, Giants, Knicks, none of those look good. I'm not <laughs> going to talk about the Giants yet. I was just going to say, you know, I think that the one thing that these kids coming out of college need to do is take a good look at the organization and just flat out say, I'm not playing for them. Um, that would that would change the way that ownership looks at how their team is constructed, change the way that the league looks at that team. You know, we kind of talked about that. I don't know if we ever got that on a podcast, but I know we talked about that a little bit off air for sure about like having some sort of system that says like, hey, you got to show some linear progression over a period of time or else you have to sell the team and bring in new ownership. And that would, you know, when players are coming out of college, just flat out say like, hey, I'm not playing for the Jets. You know, <laughs> like, look what these guys are doing. Like, I'm not going to go play for them. And now you have this superstar talent and these kids are going to be getting paid in college, right? So um they have incentive to stay in college so that changes the way the nfl would have to look at those terrible teams that are like you said nick just destroying kids careers before they ever get off the ground yeah i mean if if trevor lawrence decides to stay uh in school i mean he's essentially turning down like 
what a, what a number one picks go for as far as total contract, like thirty million dollars. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of a big. That's a lot of money to turn down, so because your organization is that bad. Right. Yeah, like I said, even if you're just floating by getting getting that money off jersey sales in college, you know, it helps, you know, make that decision to come back. And we're seeing more and more you actually make more money if you get drafted later. So, you know, it, a guy like Trevor Lawrence, you know you're going to get picked up. And it actually only benefits you if you get picked up later in the first round because you get that second contract sooner, which then allows you to cash in on your third contract sooner. Yeah, so we'll talk yeah. more about yeah this later on but that's more we're getting into off-season talk here it's the jets man they do it to us every I time i know that's the only thing you can talk about with the jets <laughs> anyhow off-season <laughs> it's the only good time for them yeah yep off-season we, we and we've kind of made that a uh a uh, bit of a uh theme in the last few podcasts so we'll hopefully we'll be able to bring that to you guys here um obviously in the off-season get you go a lot of good content um, with that, um, we are on to the Rams at Dolphins, and I'm gonna get you know I'm gonna open the floor. I got a few things to say, so I'll I'll let you yeah, guys yeah, talk yeah. first. Yeah, so I would <laughs> just say um, certainly a bit of a you know good win by the Miami Dolphins. Um, at the same time, the stats that stand out to me in this game, and let me just get there real quick. It was a great win. Stats by that the stand team, out yeah. in this game is that the total offense for the Rams was 471 yards to 145 yards by the Dolphins. Um, Obviously, turnovers early, good plays by the defense. Some fluky fluky ones in there too, though. Um, Definitely helped them get this win. Um, You know, but that's, you know, sack fumbles aren't always going to happen in games. And so when you look at that section of it, this was a game that was a lot closer than the scoreboard indicated. Uh, I think the, the Dolphins put up, you know, 28 points quick uh, and then kind of just coasted. Um, I will say I was not impressed with what I saw from Tua. Um, okay. All right. Hang I mean, on. Now you're, you're making me mad. Nope. Fitz, <laughs> look, Fitzpatrick was in this offense and he was lighting it up. Um, I know you had said there's dropped balls. Well, they weren't dropping balls when Fitzpatrick was putting them on their numbers. So, um, I would just say lackluster opening by Tua. I'm not saying this is who he is. It's been a long time since he's been in a meaningful, meaningful football game with his injury and, you know, different things like that. But um, it's a good win by the Dolphins. I'm not going to take anything away from that. But you also have to look at the fact that they gave up almost 500 yards of offense um, to this Rams team that, you know, couple things go the different way and and they don't come out with this win. And that's not what you want to necessarily see. um, Especially when you think the Rams are such bums, Nick. Okay. So you said it's a, the, the scoreboard was closer than it was James. They were up 28 to 10 until four minutes left in the fourth quarter. They coasted, coasted and gave up my, (laughs) like I said, 471 yards of offense to 145. That's why I said, that's why I said the the game was closer than what the scoreboard indicated. Obviously, no, the Rams couldn't convert, and there were the turnovers. But anytime you get outgained four hundred and seventy one yards to one hundred and forty five, that's a big deal. No, because they coast the Dolphins let them have whatever they wanted underneath in the entire second half. They put up two hundred yards in the second half because the Dolphins didn't care whether they had the fifteen yard underneath route. They didn't want them getting over the top and scoring points and getting and getting back into the game. They the 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 you can. How do you, it, how do you explain the, the 145 yards of offense by the Dolphins, though? Because because Tua and the in this in the Dolphins defense uh, offense played a total of five snaps in the second quarter. I will give you the third quarter because it was punt 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 punt, um, and they didn't look good again. Going back to the drops, I watched I watched every snap of this game. The the con you can't take out the context of this game. The Dolphins' defense special teams put them up huge, and the Dol- and when the when the when the Dolphins' offense wanted to shut them down, that's exactly what they did. They let them have what they wanted, what they what they could, you know, what, they gave them everything underneath and yada yada yada, just like any team closing out a win should. They didn't take they they took their foot off the throttle. Um, they or you know as far as what what 
what they were doing on on defense. But yeah, I mean the 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 yardage is what it is, I, and I knew you were going to bring that up because yeah, well, it you, you it does to. look impressive. Well, it does look impressive, but when you're when your team is up, like I said, I'm more three... concerned. I'm more concerned about the 145 yards of offense by the Dolphins than I am about the 500 yards of offense by the Rams. That's what I'm saying. Like, if you're winning big, you can play. You should be playing loose, and you should be moving the ball. And when you only put up 145 yards of offense in an entire game, that's a, that's not a good look. That's all I'm saying. Like you're you're focusing on what the Rams put on the scoreboard or Rams put on the stats board. I'm focused on what the Dolphins didn't from an offensive perspective. Um, when, like I said, with Ryan Fitzpatrick, this was a Miami offense. It was moving the ball. They were rolling. So they, yeah, okay. You you can have that opinion. They didn't have to. They didn't have to throw the ball everywhere like they did with with uh, Fitzmagic, and they didn't have. They didn't. Uh, I mean, one of the one of these the offenses. Chiefs don't have to either, man. But they they still put up 500 yards a game. But their their off their defense isn't getting strip sack fumbles down to the one yard line and, and then returning one and then a defensive score or a special teams punt return score. Uh, you know, it, it, it was a weird game as far as the game script goes. And I, I'm again and I, what I, I will say, the Rams defense is better than expected. Or is better playing. Uh, it's better than their offense. That's for sure. But um, I'm excited to see Tua shut all the gosh darn critics up this whole freaking week. The 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 Dolphins are playing at Arizona. We'll get into this next week, but uh, or next podcast. But th- this de- that defense is much more susceptible. Tua is going to be just fine. I the last thing I do there. The last couple things I do want to say is uh, on this game. Brian Flores was the defensive coordinator, defensive caller for the Patriots when the Rams played them in the Super Bowl. So that that was one thing I did want to bring up prior to the game in the Pickums, and I, I missed that, so I do apologize. Um, Brian Flores over and the Dolphins over their last sixteen games are nine and seven. They went from the worst roster in the NFL in twenty nineteen to being nine and sixteen, nine and seven over their last sixteen games. And then Tua did get his first touchdown pass, wearing number one. It was on November 1st, 11-1. He threw it to number 11, <laughs> Devontae Parker. I just wanted to That's get a lot that of in ones. There. All the ones. <laughs> That's a lot of ones. <laughs> All right. We're going to move, so, move on okay. now. Now that Nick's <laughs> off his soapbox, we're going to let James get on his soapbox. Well, I wanted to give you guys an opportunity to tell me how the Ravens beat the Steelers. I was going to let you guys start. Well, first of all, Lamar Jackson needs needs to figure out how to throw a football. Yeah, he he's definitely struggling as a passer this year. Uh, maybe I'll maybe even go so far to say as he's regressed from last year. But maybe that's just because teams have given him a harder time with his run game this year. He they they ran fine this year. They had two hundred sixty five rushing yards, which for them to come out and lose with that kind of rushing numbers is yeah. Is is Not boggling, mind boggling to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, really, when you look at this game, uh, the defense from the Ravens was lights out in the first half. Um, the Steelers were weren't able to do anything, and that allowed, you know, a lot of offense by the, um, you know, by the Ra- or Ravens, sorry, um, and allowed them to move the ball. They had some big runs. Um, which helped put their numbers up there. But I think the big thing, you know, I texted you guys about it during the game. T.J. Watt's only job during that game was to hit Lamar Jackson on every single play. Um, it didn't matter if he handed the ball off. It didn't matter what was happening. And I think that's what allowed them to get the rushing totals they had because T.J. Watt didn't care about the running backs. The, the game plan was come out, hit Lamar on every single play and force him into a position where he's feeling, you know, that contact. And that's, that's the knock that you have to have on rushing quarterbacks who are primarily a rushing quarterback is it is, can you handle that abuse and then still be efficient running the ball down the, down the stretch, um, you know, and hang on to the ball. Lamar Jackson had three fumbles in this game and two of those were lost, you know, and that was the difference in this game. Again, it came down. And, and the two picks. Yeah. That, yeah. I was going to say the four, four turnovers from the Ravens and they kept yeah. it within four points. That's, that's, that's your game right there. 
Yeah, so the Steelers played just a really, really good game, and they came out in the second half. They adjusted. Um, they did exactly what they had to. Um, you know, good win by the Steelers because this could have easily gone to the Ravens, uh, but stayed disciplined on defense and just kept hitting Lamar Jackson and uh, paid dividends there in the end on that final drive. And uh, they came in and took that fumble away, and that was all she wrote. So pretty happy about it. Like I said, you know, I won't go – I won't rub it in too much, but – you know, you guys should have listened to me and taken the Steelers. I'm looking forward to seeing these guys play again, as well as probably we'll see them in the playoffs. Uh, it just seems to me like two good teams like this, the loser yeah. always comes out um, having learned more from it. Obviously, you know, lose, losing is yeah. an excellent teacher. And yep. uh, just kind of going back to uh, Brady and Manning games, like – I always kind of cringed when we beat them in the regular season because I knew that we'd see them in the playoffs. And I'm like, well, Peyton Manning's going to take away, take something away from this loss and it's not going to be good for us. Yeah. 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 And I mean, yeah. And looking at Lamar Jackson, you know, I, he's, he's so freaking electric as a player and you don't want to knock on him, you know, because, you know, you can't knock on running quarterbacks in the NFL, right? You can't say that they're, overrated passers but I think that even last season with, with that 66 percent completion you know I was trying to tell, tell people you know we even talked about in the offseason all of that passing is predicated on him throwing to wide open receivers um, and if he doesn't have those wide open receivers he doesn't make the throws uh, he doesn't throw into tight windows very well and if he's not if he's not running the ball really really well um, he they just don't seem to to do anything or and really I guess the big takeaway too I think was the Steelers played a lot of safeties down into the middle of the field and that's where the most of Lamar Jackson's throws come are on those kind of read options and then just dump it over the middle for those big gains while the linebackers come down and the safeties go up um, all the safeties just played down and said hey if you want to throw it over the top which they did a couple of times you know we'll give it we'll give you a couple of those so there's definitely a blueprint being put together on Lamar Jackson for sure. And I, I'm, Brian, if you have something else, I, I think I've got a good closer here. So uh, let me know I'm, if you got anything I'm else good. you want to say. Okay. So what I was, what I was going to say is uh, two points, James. Um, first off, I do kind of want to knock on Lamar Jackson on this because we said it in last podcast. He does not show up in big games. No. Yeah. Playoffs, big regular season. I mean, where did he go in the chiefs game earlier this year? Um, yeah. No, nowhere. And, and then, and speaking of the Chiefs, you you said it in our in our and this is point number two. You said it in our um, just our chat. It's like, man, really wish we could see the Steelers and the Chiefs in the regular season. But chances yeah. are, we're going to end up seeing it as an AFC Championship game. So it's definitely how it's trending for sure. So yep. Boy, okay. So this next what game. A, what a game! <laughs> yeah. Wow. What a, Justin what a, Herbert can't catch a break, even though he was partially at fault in this one, but. Well, yeah, but can't catch a break for, I mean, for sure. And this is becoming a, a theme now, similar to the Falcons, that the, the Los Angeles Chargers cannot close out games. They can't, uh, yeah, they can, they can get a lead, but they can't hold it. Yeah. Well, and the Denver Broncos, man, they are a tricky team. Um, um, you know, I kind of said it before, like now that, you know, they're, they're three and one since having, uh, granted, one of those wins is to the Jets, so that hardly even counts. But three and one, <laughs> well, and their only losses to the Chiefs, you know. So three and one since having a healthy Drew Locke back, and you even look at how they closed out the season last year with Drew Locke. He doesn't. It, he's not even necessarily playing great football. Um, he just seems to have great moments, and he just seems to keep this team just chugging along. Um, you know, looking at their schedule going forward, Falcons, Raiders, Dolphins, um, they could easily beat the Falcons. Raiders being a divisional game and then being the scrappy team they are, um, they could beat the Ravens, you know, to or the Raiders to go over 500. Dolphins, tough, tough game there, uh, but it's at home, so that helps, you know. So then they have the Panthers, Bills, Chargers down the line. So, like, this is a team that could end up, you know, starting out, you know, zero and three to end up being nine and seven. 
10 and six, like it could shake out that direction just with the way that they seem to be in every game that they play. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it is kind of, it is kind of weird. The magic, I mean, three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. I, 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 again, I I don't know if it, it speaks more about what the Raiders are doing with Drew or excuse me, Raiders. Uh, what the Broncos are doing with uh, Drew Locke or what the Chargers are doing, just giving up points and, and losing games on defense, uh, I, I, you know, yeah. to yeah, be I determined. Have no, I have no idea if sure. this has any uh, traction here, but the last time the Chargers had were, like, considered a great team was uh, when Derwin James was healthy. And now the last two seasons, yeah. they, last, uh, they lost him to season-ending injury. I mean, he made all pro as a rookie, so I, I think I think they just need a guy like him back there to kind of really complete that defense. Yeah, I was just trying to see if I could see their injury IR well, report. But oh, yeah. show. I mean, that was actually a big trade to note. The Chargers did ship out Desmond King to the Titans, so now the defense is even weaker. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, slot, slot. Uh, uh, slot corner there. Um, yeah, I mean this 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 defense is going to be in position or right now as the as the season is shaking out. Anyways, they're this team is going to be in position to draft a very very high um, defensive. Probably, I mean, I would I would assume they go defensive player if well if not offensive line, they could definitely go offensive line in the draft. But again, we're talking about off season stuff and and. Uh, Hopefully we're we're uh, we'll bring all that to you guys in the off season. So, okay. Yeah, just, oh, go ahead. I just want to know what you saw this week. I'm moving on. I just want to know mm-hmm. what you saw this week to be hating on Nick Foles again after taking the the Saints and basically handling this game for the whole thing, taking him into overtime. Um, you know, obviously I see that he threw a pick, but he was also sacked five times, uh, and they took the Saints who are supposed to be one of the better teams in the league and at their record of 5 and 2 they look to be they took them all the way down to the wire. Well, the, yeah, because the defense played so well in this game. Nick Foles did not did, I, How many times do I have to say it, Nick? Or yeah, Nick, <laughs> every time I get confused. It's not about Nick Foles, it's about the defense in Chicago. Yeah, but they've lost 3 straight, James. They were 5 and 0. Oh. And they've lost three straight. What do you want me to say? The bear, the Bears were our pretenders, and and so are the Rams. I'm going back to this. The Rams are pretenders. They haven't lost three straight. They lost to the Colts in Week Four. They were three and zero. Then they were three and one. Then they beat the Buccaneers and the Panthers, and then they lost to the Rams. In the okay, fine. Either Which way, we just saw that that Rams that Rams defense is much better than you thought they were. So give them that. Okay, they're they're better than I thought they were, but they're that that offense and 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 that team overall is. They beat the Bears, who I have question marks about. The Rams did, and they beat the four NFC least teams. They're not a good team. They're not a good team. We'll see. see. (laughs) Anyways, we're talking about the Bears and the Saints, and the Saints did exactly. And I thought, and you know what? And I almost switched my pick because Michael Thomas wasn't playing in this game, and I told you it was going to be a close game because of that reason, but the Saints got it done anyways. And Michael Thomas is coming back, and this is going to still be a very strong Saints team. And that defense that defense did finally show up in this game, I feel like, uh, for the Saints without causing a crap load of penalties and, uh, and, and got the game done. They did, it wasn't pretty, but that's what good teams do. They win not pretty games. You know, yeah, I mean, I had the Bears picked here, uh, the Saints winning in overtime. So, like, you know, it's something that could go either which way. Like, the defense isn't the problem for the Bears, and Nick Foles isn't the problem with the Bears. The problem with the Bears is... The offensive line yeah, is garbage. Yeah, ergo, the run game is garbage. Like, if you look at the, if you look at the stats, yeah. uh, David Montgomery actually had a... A good day statistically, like uh, 15 carries for like 89 yards, something like that. But 38 of it came, 38 of those yards came on one. 21, 21 yeah. for 89. So, yeah, 21 for 89. So if you look at that, he had 20 carries for 50 yeah, yards. Yeah, because 38 came, 38 or 39 came on one run. 
So and that's probably broken play. Yeah. I don't know what I didn't see the play that it came from, but yeah, they they need to retool that offensive line. I'm not quite ready to sell to say that David Montgomery is a bad running back until maybe they get get some offensive line help to maybe open up a hole for him. But it is lining up like he he might find himself out of the league sooner rather than later. Yeah, I mean, and I'm sticking with what I have here. You know, Green Bay in, in first, Chicago in second, Detroit in third, Minnesota in fourth. I believe that's when were my preseason predictions. I still think that the Chicago ends better than eight and eight, which is how they finished last year. Uh, and they're going to finish better than eight and eight because of Nick Foles, because Nick Foles will win a couple of games for you that Mitchell Trubisky won't. Um, you know, obviously they started two and zero with Mitchell Trubisky, but he tried everything he could to throw those games away. Um, so yeah, I'm not going to sit here and say that the Chicago Bears are a great team, but they're a team that can win any given Sunday. Uh, and it's because of their defense and they do have to learn how to run the ball because they're not going to beat the elite teams, in the NFL, um, but they could get in the playoffs and they could have one good game and, and take away somebody's season. They are built that way Absolutely. with that defense. So yeah, yeah no, I, I, I will say I will I will agree with that, James. Yeah, that defense is is scary good, and on a on 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 a good day for them and a wrong day for somebody else, it could definitely take somebody's seasons somebody's season away. Yeah, I mean, just look at the Buccaneers. They look like possibly the best team in the NFL right now, in my opinion, and they beat the Buccaneers. And yeah, the Buccaneers had a bad day of penalties in that game, but that's exactly what we're talking about. Like, you've got to play good football against the Bears to to beat them. Uh, mm-hmm. you got to be on top of your game or else they could come in and punch you in the mouth. Well, yeah, I mean, you could yep. say the Bears caused a lot of those offensive line penalties because when you're staring at Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks, Robert Quinn, yeah, you want to be the first off, yeah. you know, you want to have that first step on him for blocking. And so it's going to cut. And you want to you wanna hold for that extra little bit. You want to be a little extra chippy. So, yeah, it definitely plays into it. And then the sixth one, I'm mad at you, James. You convinced me. <laughs> but, you know, it's not even your fault. Yeah. If you lose Jimmy G and George Kittle in a game, you you can't expect to win that. Well, and you saw it with Jimmy G's interception. As soon as I saw that, I went, oh, this is over. It was clear that that injury was still lingering, and then you saw him leave with a, a later injury. For Jimmy G to miss by three yards on an eight-yard throw, I mean, Jimmy G – you know, love him, hate him, think he's overrated. He's an extremely accurate quarterback. Um, and when he threw that interception to Kittle, or to then when he was targeting Kittle and missed him by three yards, I thought this game is absolutely over. The Seahawks team is built to feast on this. Uh, and Russell Wilson and DK went to town. And what can you do? I mean, DK is a beast. Everybody missed on him in the draft. I actually really, really wanted the Colts to draft him early on. And here we are. They took Michael Pittman instead, who hasn't played. Well, I guess that was the next year. I can't remember who they took in that draft, so I won't get off topic there. But, <laughs> yeah, Seahawks rolled. Um, but they beat a San Francisco team that was down. And I, I, I don't know. I Obviously, Russell Wilson's playing great. That offense is big, but that defense is not good. Um, still question marks around Seattle with this. It doesn't tell me a lot. I think uh, – Outside of the fact that I think it was Paris, I think it was Paris DK Campbell James is a freak. Yeah, you're right. Oh, <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> yeah, who's, who's played about three games? Who, in yeah, career. unless unless you're junkies like us, you're going. Who the hell's that guy? Yeah, he's a great um, talent when he's on the field, but can't can't stay healthy. So we're not going to get into that. But I, yeah, I, I mean, I heard this question asked earlier today on a different different platform. Is DK Metcalf the best wideout in the NFL right now? No, but he's the best at what he does. Does that make sense? He 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 might what he might he be do, the best. He, he might be the best <laughs> deep ball talent. He's a deep ball talent. Um, you're gonna put him. You're gonna put him over at. You're gonna put him over Tyree Kill as a deep Absolutely. ball talent. What? Absolutely. Absolutely, right now for sure he's. I think he's faster. I won't. I won't no. believe it or not. Guaranteed not. Guaranteed I think he's faster. You that not. No way. 
I think on a football field, I think DK Metcalf is faster than Tyreek Hill. Um, I mean, he ran a four three seven or a four three three. So I mean, the you know the the forty time is there, and then you look at him run on a football field. And he runs naturally on a football field. He outruns everybody. Yeah, you saw that chase down um, Buda Baker. You pair it with. Russell Wilson is actually a better deep ball thrower than Patrick Mahomes. Um, so I think that does help uh, DK to some extent there. Um, there's still some receivers. I'd have to really dig into it. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins is a better receiver than DK, in my opinion, still. I think he does more things. He's just not as fast, so he's not as explosive. He doesn't have those big plays that DK can open up. Um, but he's in the conversation. He's top five. Second year, yeah, I, dude. This yeah. guy is yeah, he's top five. Real. This guy is real, and he's here to stay. Will, people, like, I mean, if he could if get he could on the DK routes, get, yeah. if he could start even running routes like uh, Julio, you know, who's not necessarily the best route runner, but is combines his speed, athleticism, power with above average route running. You know, like I would put like Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams above julio jones in terms of like intermediate and short route running um if he could get to that level he's the best receiver i think i think he could absolutely in his second year he's in his i think he can absolutely get there and you're right james he is a better deep uh deep threat guy than tyreek hill because tyreek hill all you need is is to be able to get someone that can come close to matching his speed if you do that with dk you still got to match his size too i mean even if he doesn't beat you a route right, he's well, still a great possession it. catch. So when you talk about speed, did you guys see that ball that DK caught like on that like it was like a twelve or oh, fifteen yeah. yard? And he just in, took it took it and, and wheeled it around. It, and he ran across the field and away from the entire seat or entire forty ers defense. I mean, across the field and away from everybody for like fifty yeah. yards or something. What was what did that end up being for? I think it was as long of the game. So Maybe I might have been just short of fifty. I want to say like forty-five. Uh, DK forty-six yards. So I mean, when you talk about that kind of speed on a football field, I one hundred percent think he's faster than. I would love to see the race. Yeah, like a, in pads. <laughs> not you know, I'm not talking about like the true forty. I'm talking about in pad race. That's fine. Chasing down a ball, I, I still like, I still think Tyreek is going to be faster, but DK is a monster. I, yeah. I I forget. I think it was Ryan Clark on on ESPN's Get Up show. He's like he was talking about the five scariest. This is going into Halloween weekend. He's talking about the five scariest people uh, in the NFL on a on a football field, and DK was like number two. He's like, because this dude was not born on this planet. You can't be no, that size and run that fast. And, and no, you're just not born on this planet. It was hilarious. No, and I, I'm going to stick by it. When when that draft came up and I saw him run a four three three, in my like I said right there, I said, you have to draft this guy as soon. Like he's a he's a top draft pick. Like that's just the kind of just like freakishness that you look at and you think like. I got to try it. Right. You got, yeah. You know, it was like Josh Allen, he can throw the ball 85 yards in the air. It's like, well, I got to I got to try it. Right. Like he might not, you know, he was only completing 55% in the mountain West conference. Um, not even that it was like a lower conference than that in Wyoming, you know, but teams were like, yeah, I got to take this guy, you know, in the first round, that's the way you have to look at a guy like DK. Um, and the Seahawks. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see his career because obviously there's more things to add to his game. Um, you know, if he can take some pages out of uh, Michael Thomas's book, you know, get that physicality and press coverage and get those like quick slants down, then, you know, all of a sudden he's a dual threat guy. Yeah. And then then you're talking Randy Moss ridiculous. Well, I think one thing. One thing we I think that we we would ha- we do have to focus on is that number one he has to develop that he doesn't have to develop that as long as they can keep a guy like Tyler Lockett around who's also a top ten receiver in the NFL guys like Tyler Lockett is a Tyler Lockett receiver. is legit like yeah. and I'm tired of them having the Seahawks having had 
Doug Baldwin, Golden Tate, Tyler Lockett, and everybody's saying for the last 10 years that Russell Wilson's never had any weapons on offense uh, until now with DK Metcalf. I don't think anyone said that. He's just never had an offensive line. That's, 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 that's always been my a huge narrative around it. Oh, my, my, my I contention. mean, you might be – yeah, you <laughs> might be one of the people who actually understand things, Nick. But, <laughs> I mean, when Golden Tate was traded away, I was poking a lot fun at a lot of Seahawks because Golden Tate then went on to be like a top five, you know, yards with Stafford. Um, yeah, that's because Golden, Golden Tate Tyler slept Lockett. with uh, uh, Russ's wife. That's why that, that relationship yeah. ended. Staying focused here, Nick. <laughs> so Tyler Lockett allows DK to do DK things currently because the double teams go to Tyler Lockett because uh, they have to. He's a better all-around receiver, and it allows DK to get open on one-on-one matchups and – there's, I, I don't think there's anybody better at just the one-on-one matchup downfield than DK right now. Well, yeah, and not to spend – we've spent an inordinate amount of time on this already, but you, you see what happens with the Arizona game. When they d- did uh, focus on DK, Tyler goes freaking nuts for 200 yards exactly. and three touchdowns. So it's, 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 it's possible to cover these two guys right now. But uh, let's, I mean, you uh, saw a similar situation with, like, Juju Smith-Schuster in Pittsburgh, and I even – fell for it you looked at like juju and the eye-popping numbers he was putting up um but then it, it's been a different story without having a guy like ab on the team you know that's the same kind of thing you could see with dk and the seahawks need to recognize that and need to understand that that's a yin and a yang situation and keep both of those guys around for a long time yes they do okay moving on sorry i have one thing to say on this um i'll make it quick uh Carson Wentz was 15 to 27 for 123 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions against the freaking Eagles, guys, or against the freaking Cowboys. This, this, he is the Eagles. This was a uh, I quit. To Carson Wentz point, I'm not defending him too much, but this was another game where weather played a factor. They were dealing with high winds. Like nobody was willing to try and throw the ball downfield because the way that the wind was trying to push that thing around. Heck, Ben Danucci had a better quarterback rating than Wentz. Yeah. So, I, you know, it's the interceptions that I'm more so pointing at with Carson Wentz. You know, you I didn't have to throw interceptions, especially if you have the game under control. I personally didn't watch those, this game. Those two I interceptions yeah, I was just gonna say the two-time um, Wentz threw it Just going to say the same thing. And he paid for it every time. I was just going to say the same thing. <laughs> that's 100 we're, we're talking to each other. <laughs> i was gonna say the same thing james i i didn't even give two two donuts about this dang game because i didn't want to i didn't want to watch it because i knew it was gonna be garbage football and, it, and that's exactly what it was it's garbage football uh if you compare wentz's stats to james winston of last year in the same time of the year he J, uh, Carson Wentz looks worse in QBR. He's taking more sacks, and he's uh, he's got a, le- a lower completion percentage than Jameis Winston did last year. Yeah, he's not throwing I mean, thirty picks, but I in the... he's on pace for twenty four. Gonna come that close. So ridiculous. What's their record currently? And they're paid. Yeah, he's on pace for twenty four. So his stats right now: fifty eight point four percent completion, eighteen hundred yards. 12 touchdowns, 12 yeah, picks. That's terrible. Those are bad numbers. And and they're paying him $130 million. Yep. Anyways, yeah. Eagles suck. Cowboys suck. Moving yes. on. Uh, and do it. Uh, one of the uh, – again, the, I alluded to this. Uh, a very surprising game here from the Giants uh, uh, playing at home against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Giants have a, had a chance in this game. But Daniel Jones, being Daniel Jones, threw two interceptions and and uh, let this game end up crawling away, and then came back in this game. It's like I don't know. It's Jekyll and Hyde with uh, uh, Daniel Jones. I feel like. So what I really hate in this game is that I'm really really tired of referees making absolutely garbage, terrible, awful calls, and I'm not talking about the last play of the game, honestly. So two really, really big plays that allowed Tampa Bay to get points 
number one, Cameron Brate catching a ball, taking like six steps, turning upfield, lowering his helmet into the defender, and then getting a getting the flag for plus yardage, um, which then ended up being converted into points later. Um, in the world we live in, you have to review those. And I'm sorry, but if a, a receiver who becomes a runner lowers his helmet, you can't call that unnecessary roughness, you know, leading with your helmet when that's 100% on them. Number two, Mike Evans had a play where it was a toss-up ball. Um, defender was playing good tight coverage, you know, had kind of an arm a little bit just on him, like you kind of expect touching. And Mike Evans just like freaks out, throws his arms in the air, grabs the defender, pulls him to him, and then they get a flag. And you're like, what? Like Mike Evans was 100% making all of the contact, and then they get a big play downfield, end up turning that into points. So two two drives for Tampa Bay Buccaneers that end up turning into points because of referees' calls. And then you end that game with what, if you had reviewed it and you looked at it, would have stood with, with the, the call that was made on the field of pass interference, and the Giants should have had a chance to tie this game. But the referees picked up their flag and said, no, I don't think we saw it. Maybe we did, maybe we didn't. Obviously, there was enough to see it that they threw the flag in the first place. So I'm just – that game made me really upset with the way that the referees kind of had such a heavy hand in the game down the stretch. Um, but Tampa Bay looked, looked yeah, vulnerable. I don't think anyone wants to see a game that the rest decide for them. Yeah, especially when it's so clear. Like that pass interference, it just – sorry, but it was so clear. I know – you know, we were joking in our fantasy group that if it's a if it's a on time throw and if it's an accurate throw, it's not pass interference. But at the end of the day, you know that's a lot of pass interference calls. You know, they're underthrown balls on deep balls where the you know where the defender accidentally runs through the receiver as he's trying to come back for the ball. Um, we see that kind of stuff all the time, so uh, no different in this circumstance. But yeah, guys, that's all I got on that. Let's move on to that's my rant for the day. Thursday night preview. <laughs> well. What may not be Thursday night preview, a COVID outbreak in um, uh, in the uh, 49ers camp. Um, right now they're saying Trent Williams out, Bre- uh, Brandon Ayuk out, and Debo Samuel out um, of this game if it, if it doesn't get postponed. So, excuse me, we may not have Thursday night football. I, th- um, I do think with enough – notice um, the NFL should rule in the sense of like, if the teams, if the rest of the team is like testing negative, you've got to move forward with the game because there's enough notice. Um, You know, if this was happening, I guess, I guess it is getting, well, it's Tuesday, right? Wednesday. Not Wednesday. It is Wednesday. Normally we record on Tuesday, but yes, today. Yeah. So that's what was throwing me off. So yeah, I guess that, you know, when were those tests come in, Nick? I didn't see that actually. It was this morning. Okay. So, yeah, definitely possible postponement there. Um, but I am still taking the Packers in that game, whether it happens yeah. this week or next week. Or Sunday, yeah, because it could be moved yeah. to Sunday with negative tests going forward. So, yeah, I, I, and I agree, James. I'm, I'm taking the Packers in this game. Um, Packers should come into this pretty extra motivated uh, given that last year they got embarrassed by the 49ers both times they met. Twice, yeah, yep, and twice. now now the 49ers are coming in very vulnerable, so the Packers are looking for some revenge. Yeah, I will say that if the 49ers can manage a win in this game, uh, you know, in a fashion that looks impressive, um, I'm jumping back on them. <laughs> I'm sticking with them, but I do think it's time that the that their if, dominance is kind of over just, short-lived. Just lay, it, lay down and die for next year. If that happens, I won't on. be back on the 49ers <laughs> so much as I will be completely off the Packers come playoffs time. They'll probably still put together like a 12-4 and four season because they are that good. But again, to what I was saying earlier, they don't like getting punched in the mouth. And if the 49ers do it to them again – then playoff teams sure as heck are going to do it too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you look at the possible 
playoffs there, you know, the way that the, um, well, I mean, we already saw it with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the way they punched him in the mouth. Um, you know, if they end up facing them, I'm, I'm already taking the Buccaneers, especially if Antonio Brown comes in and isn't a clown and stays on the team for the rest of the season. I'm, Already chalking up a W for Brady and company there, anyway. So you know, you know, a, uh, uh, Antonio Brown is living in Tom Brady's again. house. Oh, I knew it was going to happen. He, yeah, same again. thing happened during the <laughs> New England during yeah. when he was in the Pats there. So yeah. you know, it just goes to show his just complete lack of maturity, and it just goes to show that Brady will do anything that wins, and it just proves that Brady is a cheater because if he'll do this, he'll do anything. It's not even well, no, I said, deflating I, balls. I said it last. I said it last podcast. He's Tom Brady's boyfriend. This ain't so even. He's uh, move it's in. not even yep. Brady's real house. He's uh, gosh. Um... Is it no, the no, neighbor's no, no. house that he uh, walked into? He's, when he's staying in a famous Yankees. <laughs> Jeter. Yes, I was trying. Jeter. I was kept on thinking a Rod, and I'm like, no, it wasn't a Rod. Jeter. Yeah, he's staying in Jeter's Tampa Bay house. Wow. Mustn't it be nice <laughs> to have money? Yep. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. I think that's a wrap. Yeah. Right. That's a wrap. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the All B Sports Podcast, where it's all BS all the time. Uh, get us in our inbox at All B Sports PNW at Gmail dot com. Hit us up on our social medias: Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter. We're on all of them. Uh, we'd love to bring you guys the content you want to hear about. Especially because our theme, I feel like, over the last few podcasts has been the off season. So give us some off season ideas. Let's let's get it rolling. Thanks.